You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. Hello, what's up to my wonderful followers, guests, audience, first timers, whatever may be your case today. Thank you again for joining in for another wonderful episode of SOB Style of Business. You got Keetra here uh, tuning in as always. And today I have another fantastic guest that is going to be sitting with us for a few minutes or so, just kind of going into what she has coming up, a wonderful new conference. She's going to be talking about her book projects some of the things that she's worked on, people she's worked with. And I think this is going to be an excellent episode for those aspiring authors and writers out there who are looking for guidance and some sort of direction. So we finna jump right in. I am speaking to Mrs. Joylyn M. Ross, who is the founder and CEO of Path to Publishing. And uh, I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to let her give her own introduction, and then we're going to keep the interview going forward from there. So without further ado, Ms. Joylyn, how are you today? How is your day going? How was your week? Yes, ma'am. And I appreciate it. And I'm going to say it again. I know I keep saying I I love her energy. You just the excitement. Before I even picked up the phone to dial, I was already kind of smiling because I knew based on what I've seen from some of the the little shoots you've done with your promotional clips on YouTube and things like that. I said, okay, yeah, this this is going to be another fun one. So I appreciate (laughs) your energy that you bring into the show. And of course, all of the wonderful things that we're going to be discussing. So go ahead and give us an introduction and and, uh, background and just give us a little bit of uh, a tidbit, if you will, about who you are and also what you're working on. Okay. Well, yes, indeed. I am Joylyn M. Ross, literary consultant, literary concierge, publishing coach, self-publishing companion. I write as blessed selling author E. Enjoy, and like Keetra mentioned, I am the CEO and founder of Path to Publishing, which is a community of literary architects building literary empires. We are not just writers writing books. We are literary artists. We are literary entertainers. And over at Path to Publishing, we teach authors how to tell, publish, mm-hmm. and sell their stories. But beyond that, We teach authors how to build their book, build their book business, and how to create multiple streams of income to sustain their book business, because that's our intellectual property. Yes, our intellectual property is priceless, but we have to put a price tag on it if we want to move our message. Exactly. And I tell you what, you have me so excited just by saying literary entertainer that I'm I'm ready to just disconnect the call and start writing a, <laughs> writing a book <laughs> right now because as a a lot of I know this it doesn't have to be a certain industry a certain type of professional or background that may basically people that are interested in writing you think you have to come from a certain profession and things like that but what you guys are doing is actually a transformative platform to where you're kind of laying the foundation and letting people know like the different steps a lot of people make writing a book complicated and so that's why when I got your, your media kit and, and I was kind of looking and reading into some of the things that you're doing, I was like, oh, OK, yeah, this this is where it's at. Yes, because a lot of people 
think, well, you know, I'm not a writer. You don't have to be a writer to become an author. Okay. There are resources out here. And so many people have amazing ideas. And I tell most people when they come to me, I bet you if I went on your social media, I could turn it all into a book right now. You've been putting it out there anyway. You've been blogging your social media posts. Put them all together. You are telling a story. People Mm -hmm. think about a book and they think, oh, I have to write a 300-page novel. Oh, I have (laughs) to write a memoir or autobiography. No. Idea, thought, concept, testimony. Some of y'all get on there and y'all pray for folks every morning. Take a collection of those prayers. Put them on on a deck of cards. Again, it doesn't even have to be a book. It can be a how-to manual. It can be a guide. We all have something inside of us that is to help somebody else. So we just have to get that out of us and put it in print. And if you don't want to put it in print, put it on ebook. You don't want to put it on ebook, put it on audio. I'm a no excuse kind of person. We're going to find a way to get your message out. I'm going to put you on YouTube. We're going to put it on Braille. We're going to get that message out there. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess that's why I was so excited to talk to you is because I know that you have different ways and methods of pulling the actual author from the back to the forefront when it comes to people that think that they don't have that certain skill set to write a book. And also, I was interested to know, I was like, okay, I know you have all of these different book series, all these books, all these different children's books, all of these things that you've done and contribute to other people's careers as well. How did you get started like where did your drive for writing and storytelling when did that come about Keisha you know how sometimes people say well I read for an escape or I read for entertainment well I wrote for an escape and I wrote for Mm. entertainment I'm like home alone mothers at the strip club stripping both parents heroin addicts it's like I wanted to escape I wanted to create an entirely different world so people can escape in a book and I can escape in a book on the other side. I could pin it. I could change my world. There was that much power in the pen where in my world, the one I created with my pen, I had it all. I did not live in the hood. Okay. We didn't have the roaches. I didn't get up at three o'clock in the morning to go get something to drink and everybody laying around with the heroin now. Our bands tied around the arm, the other person shooting them up. Okay. So it was an escape. So from the moment we started those elementary journals, I know you remember those elementary journals you had to write. (laughs) Every time we went on spring break or Christmas, you came back and your teacher wanted to know, write about your trip, write about your trip. I'm like, dang, Annette from Beach Blanket Bingo, the only <laughs> trip we had was dope trips, okay? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, you want a story? I'm going to give you a story. story. Right. So I will pin something. You know, I'm over in Orlando like everybody else on spring break, if you ask me. And I'm writing about it, and I will pin it so well uh, the teacher would say, you know, this is excellent. This is great. Joy, read it in class. So I read it in class. And the, the kids are just, they're glued. They're not blinking. They're hanging on to my every word. By the time I would finish reading that lie that I had written in my journal, <laughs> I believed I went to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Convince so yourself. I got into when I realized and for that, for those moments, they were enthralled. They were hanging on to my every word. If there was that much power in the pen, 
both with on the outside looking in, the inside looking out, me knowing why I was pinning what I was pinning, I said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. And to this day, when my classmates see me on social media and see that I'm an author and I'm teaching other people how to pin and, and publish and sell their stories, none of them were surprised. None of them. I knew with that much power in the pen, and I'm a Leo, so yeah. I like power, you know, <laughs> exactly. I can't get a jungle, honey. Even the lion. I mean, I mean, I'm just the lioness. So I was like, oh, I'm going to rule this. I'm going to do this. So they're, they're not even surprised that I'm doing what I'm doing. That's phenomenal. That's excellent. It's very seldom that we get to experience and enjoy some of the things that we we were accustomed to in our childhood, and the fact that you are actually living that. I find that fantastic. So congratulations on all of that success. And I know you have a collection of book series from the five book series, which is the New Day Divas. You have the, yeah, y'all get ready for this one because I'm going to list them out. It's like a laundry list of some different book series. So let me start again. We have the five book series, A New Day Divas. You have the three book series, Still Divas. There's another three book series, which is Always Divas. And you have another three book series, which is Forever Divas, also coined Soap Operas in Print. And then we have the children's work, which is a whole separate thing. But I I have got to know, because let me tell you, I'm going to be honest. When I was reading through the, the bio, okay, and I said, okay, yeah, different book series. When I got to the first and second one, I said, okay, great, that's two. She has two different book series. And then there was a third one. And then there was a fourth, a fourth one. And then there was a fifth one to where I almost kind of said, okay, well, somebody has kind of mis, 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 you know, misprinted on a, the bio. They kind of messed up the bio because this looks like this is a lot, you know. And then I realized, I was like, that is a lot of work for somebody to put out in a series. And I just thought how fantastic it was that you had that much content in your head to really pull together those stories to make not one or two books, but you've made five different book series. And that a lot of people struggle with just writing that one book. So I have got to know, like when you sat down to write these different (laughs) books, did you envision turning each of those into a series? Like how did that unfold for you? So, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Just to answer because I had no idea I was long-winded enough to keep a storyline going. But it was my boss and my publisher at the time, national best-selling author Carl Weber. Um, he called me up. I was the acquisitions editor for his Urban Christian imprint. So mm-hmm. he's like, Joy, you know, series are hot right now. Do you have anybody on your line who can start a series, keep the series going? You know, he explained the whole literary industry jargon of it all, how... People will go back and buy book one and book two when you get to three, four. And he just went on and on and on. He said, so find somebody, one of your amazing writers that's on your line. Really think about it. Who can pull this off? Who can pull a series off? So I get off the phone with it. I'm pumped up. And I'm thinking about everybody else on the list. And then I just hear this voice. It's you. You do it. Now, mind you, I started off writing short stories and poems. When I wrote my first novel, I surprised myself. I didn't mm. think I could get a full-length novel out, so let alone a series. So what I did, because any writer, any author will tell you, we will have sticky notes everywhere, <laughs> stories, 
notes on, you know, napkins. We have just all these thoughts and ideas and concepts. I'm going to write about this and I'm going to write about that. We have story titles, everything. So what I did is I gathered all of my sticky notes, went into my car, dug around, mail that I had wrote, just everything. (laughs) And I pulled it all together and I said, this is my series. Everybody I've always wanted to write about, I'm going to write about it under one series. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I started introducing the characters in the first series, which is the New Day Divas. But then these people have so many issues. These chicks have so many issues. I said, y'all need y'all's own book. Y'all, y'all need y'all's own book. <laughs> it, it ain't enough. It, it, it ain't enough. So I branched off where I gave each character their own book. So what readers love about my series is that you can read them in any order. Because, say, for example, you pick up the Still Diva series and you have... And you call yourself a Christian, the Sunday only Christian, the perfect Christian. Yeah. Each of those books have different main characters. They're not the story's not connected at all. But what makes it a series is that every character I write about, they all attend the same church, the New Day Temple of the New Day Temple of Faith. So they all attend that same church. So that's what makes it a series. But my readers love that they don't have to read it in order. They can just walk by one of the books in Walmart and be like, ooh, that title called my name or ooh, that cover called my name and get it based on that, knowing one story doesn't have anything to do with the other. But in taking all of these characters and writing about them and creating this series, as a fiction writer, we know first. Yeah. We research what we don't know, and then we make up all the rest. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So I started writing what I knew, and who do I know, and what do I know better than anything else in the world? Me. So I'm all up in that series. My entire life is in those series. One book in particular is about 80% based upon my life. It's titled, I Ain't Me No More. But all of the, even in the male characters, there's something they do. There's something they say. There's an incident they encounter. Now, I may have handled it differently than my characters handled it, but it's still something that happened to me or happened to, you know, one of my friends. So that part, it became easy. And then the rest of the part, it's like I tell people I have a ghostwriter. There is no shame in my game. I have a ghostwriter. I sit down at my computer and I take dictation from my ghostwriter, a.k.a. the Holy Ghost. Yes. So there you done. go. It gets done. <laughs> it gets done. I love that. Yeah, that that is perfect. That is perfect. And I guess that's one of the reasons why you're so successful with helping other people kind of sit down and plot out what they're looking to do with their projects. So you cannot beat it. And speaking of which, helping others, I want to talk a bit about the initiative for your upcoming three-day conference, which is uh, the Path of Publishing. What inspired you to, well, we know that the Path of Publishing is also your company, but the conference is also titled Path to Publishing. So what inspired you to create this platform to where you're helping other people achieve achieve, uh, the dreams of publishing their work? Yes. Well, it is the Path to Publishing Conference, and we have titled it Act Like an Author, Think Like a Business. Okay. Because, you know, people will ask me, well, what does it take to be a successful literary-wise? And I say, you know, there's a difference. To Mm. be successful literary-wise, you know, you got to act like an author. You got to do your thing. You got to know your job description. You got to know your role. But if you want to be successful financially, when when in the literary aspect, you got to think like the business. You have to think like a business. So I started, you know, sharing this information. You know, we get started. We get we first start throwing out the line into the water with our social media posts. And then we may start blogging. 
We may yeah. start doing newsletters, videos. So I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm doing one-on-one literary consulting, but it wasn't enough because I still continue to see disheartening posts on social media from my fellow authors just getting frustrated with book sales and declaring that they were about to give up writing and put the pen down and go be a Walmart greeter. I mean, all kinds yeah. of craziness. And I knew how they felt because 20 years in this literary industry, I have been there. I have had my moments uh, as if I was on the Lifetime channel, you know, it's always <laughs> exactly. She closed the door, she slides down the door crying. So I know I've had my moments. Okay, so I could relate. I've experienced it over the years. But then I realized that being an author goes beyond just writing, publishing, and selling a book. And I think that's what so many of those authors were missing. It is a job. And some of the frustration from my fellow authors derived from people just publishing a book and becoming a published author, but not knowing their job description. Mm. The book is a business. The job is an author because businesses don't make money. People do. So as an author, it's your job to make the money to sustain the book business. And you have to think outside of the book when creating those multiple streams of income. And so many authors get focused on book sales and royalties only. They make the book the only business, not realizing there are multiple ways we should be maximizing and optimizing and monetizing our role as an author. But if you don't know your job description, then how are you going to know to do that? So I said, you know what? I've got to put together a conference. We all have to be in one room. We have to get this. I have to create a curriculum. I have to create a blueprint where authors get it, no matter where they are on their literary journey. Yeah. So like on day one, we're going over how to publish your book. And whether you're self-published or traditionally published or have a literary agent, your book is still your business. You want to know how this thing goes and operates and your part in it. And so I've worked with and I've worked for the major publishing houses in New York. And I know every step they take for the success of their authors and their author's book. So I just was in my cave for six months straight, putting together everything I had accumulated over 20 years, turning it into a curriculum. You're going to self-publish. You're going to self-publish like a pro. We're going to tell that story right. We're going to start making money from the book before it's even written. All of those things that the major publishing houses do, all the campaigns they go through. And on day two, we're covering how to build your book business. And you can't just, you know, it's like, are are you, do you have a business or are you just pretending to be one? Do you have a business or do you have a website? You don't have to file the LLC or the S Corp. You can still do doing business as, and we go over taxes, when to file, based upon if you've incorporated or not. Letting them understand once you incorporate, Uncle Sam's looking for you. Just because you didn't make any money doesn't mean he doesn't want you to file taxes. Yeah. You don't want to work this hard on your dream for Uncle Sam to come crush your dream and your business. And, and we even talk about death. We talk about if you come to the point where you're um, incapacitated and you can't function. Who is your literary executor? And these are things people don't think of. We go into these partnerships. But if I'm going into a partnership, we got life insurance on each other. Now, I hope to God I don't end up on the ID channel because, <laughs> you know, you're not exactly. here in Vegas, too. I'm, yeah. You don't know who's going to get money in the casino. Right. Right. These are things. 
things you have to have in place. You have to protect your intellectual property that you're putting out there. You have to have disclaimers in place. So we cover all of these things. No, they may not be sexy, but if you say you're in a business, you say you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you have to move and operate like a business. And then on day three, it's all about money. Yeah. Day three, we talk nothing but moolah, dinero, ducats, dollars, bones, whatever you want to call it, yens, euros. It's all about money because you need to make sure you have money in place to deliver your message and sustain your business. So I'm so passionate about this. I could just burst the stains, jump out of my skin. I could just teach a webinar right now. now yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, you should. I mean, this sounds like a, an upcoming Path to Publishing tour. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe you'll hit four or five spots and get a couple of corporate sponsors to come in so you can hit some of the, the, the cities like Houston. <laughs> you know, so I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, I throwing you a little hint. So, all right, good deal, good deal, Joy Lynn. Okay, so tell me, now I know you have the, the path to publishing, we have the conference, okay? I know you, you do the consulting also, but there's also a online platform to where you guys are offering resources through the path to publishing. Is that more like a um, like an e-course or how, how does that service work? Yes, I do online courses. So the, basically the same thing, that I'm teaching, you know, to my literary consulting clients. I kind of do it like in a nutshell with my online courses. But then, you know, sometimes we have a lot of questions after the fact, mm -hmm. or it's like, okay, I get it. It's great. Everything you said is fabulous. I can do it, but I don't want to do it. I don't have time to do it. I'm not that, you know, tech. So that's where the consulting services come in. But I wanted to make sure with my audience, once I determine, okay, this is my target audience, this is how my audience likes to receive information, I wanted to make sure I made it available. So I offer pre-recorded courses, I do live conferences, I do live workshops, again, I do the literary consulting, I do group courses, any way that my audience wants to receive it, I want to make sure I deliver. Some of them just want the slides. Some of them want, want it in a video so they can play it back and forth over and over again. So I just want to make sure that anyone who has, again, that message, that thought, that idea, that concept, that whichever method, they can receive it best, that I make it available in that format. And then, you know, I have my newsletters and I have my Act Like an Author, Think Like a Business YouTube channel where I'm posting helpful hints and information. I even have an interactive website, members-only website, which I call it a literary, um, what's the word? I'm, I'm losing my mind now. A theme the, park, yeah. Oh. A literary theme park, because we have so much oh, going on there. Okay. So I just want to meet every author wherever they are on their literary journey, whether they have it in their head, whether they have a bunch of sticky notes like I was talking about earlier, even if they've already put out 5, 10, 15, 20 books, what I guarantee with my instruction is that you missed the step. Yeah. You missed the step that could be costing you money and that could be keeping you from making money. So if you had the opportunity to go back and get it right, wouldn't you want to do that? So th those are the different things that, that I'm offering. I'm working on um, a literary executive stationary line with planners and calendars. We have to do this. We have voices. 
We have voices that don't necessarily have to be validated by the big houses in New York, by publishing companies. We have voices. We have intellectual property. And yes, we can put a price tag on it. We can build empires on it. Like I tell the authors who get discouraged, you know, stop letting people tell you you can't make money as a writer just because they couldn't figure out how to do it. Because if Kim Kardashian can build an empire with her butt, we can build one with a book. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know what? And and speaking of which, when you're talking about how we wait for people to validate us and and to uh, give us a stamp of approval, especially like some of the bigger corporations and and, um, agencies, what do you think, like, what does it take to become a great author? And I know you mentioned like, hey, you don't necessarily have to be a good writer, to be a good author, but sometimes when it comes to those people that are struggling and, you know, we, you know, you start, start with the first draft and it sits a few days and you trash it and you go back to the second draft. Do you think you have to be a great writer to become a great author or what does it take? What are the basic fundamentals you need to at least attempt to be a great author? To have an idea, to mm-hmm. have a thought, to have a concept, to have a testimony. Every other resource is out there to get that product to where it needs to be. Every research, there are literary industry professionals. If you can't write, there's a ghostwriter. If Mm. you don't want to type it, there's, you can talk your book. You can speak your book. There's editors, over a dozen different type of editors. There are people who simply get paid to research. So there's no excuse. And a great author, a great writer, I think you have to determine what measures greatness. One can be a great author in their own right. I think as with anything, we have to measure what greatness is to us. We have to determine our measure of success. Because what success looks like to us on us and not the next person. Because you may be looking at the person thinking, hey, they're successful. But yet in their mind... They haven't come close to reaching the level of success that they have for themselves. So greatness is all about what it looks like to that author. Author Michelle may be one of those authors who's finding greatness and success and just reaching, changing, altering, or saving one life with her book. Wow, author E enjoyed myself. She ain't did all this for just one person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I don't want to just reach one person. I want to reach the multitude. Jesus did not bleed, hang, and die for one soul. Now, I'm not comparing my literary journey to that of our Lord and Savior. But my journey, it wasn't a joyride. It was just that. So I'll just speak for me because five years ago, had you asked me, what does it take to become a great author? You would have heard me saying um, it meant being a New York Times bestselling author. It would have been having one million copies sold, stamped on my book. Being a great author would have meant selling out of books after each book signing. I would have associated being a great author with being a famous author. But today, being a great author for me, instead of being a best-selling author, I'm a blessed-selling author. Instead of one million copies sold, I want one million souls saved after they read my books. Mm. And, and instead of selling out of books, I want readers sold out on Christ after reading my books. And today... I don't write to become a famous author. I write to make God famous. And so it's all about what is greatness to you. It's just getting that story out, whether it looked like chicken scratch don't make sense, you know, <laughs> bird climbing, nothing agrees, but you got it out. 
That was achievement. That was a great achievement. So when we talk about, you know, what does it take to become a great author? The willingness and being teachable, being teachable and taking help, getting help, not trying to do it all and not trying to think that you know it all. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that can preach for days. (laughs) You know, you you definitely said some stuff there, which which I'm almost certain that a lot of people are going to kind of wake up to and needed to hear that as well. And I know you just talked about, you know, success and, you know, some people think equate success with being a New York Times bestseller and, you know, selling out after the book signing. And I know you have a couple of bestsellers of your own in addition to some awards and you've worked with clients who are also New York Times bestselling authors. But what makes a bestseller? What makes a bestseller? And now these days, selling your book for free on, well, not even selling, giving away your book for free on Amazon and telling everybody to go buy it can make you a bestseller. That's just what a lot of people do. They make their book for free. They do a heavy promotion. Everybody gets it because it's free. It gets a bestseller, even though maybe nobody who bought it for free read it. Yeah. But it still reaches that status. But when you're talking about New York Times bestselling authors in particular, It really has nothing to do with having to sell a certain amount of numbers. People used to think, oh, you have to sell 10,000 books to be on the New York Times bestseller. Here's how that would work. Say, for example, we just got this one week and it's author one, two, it's author A, B, C, D, E. Author A, you know, sells five and then B sells four and then C sells three and so on. Mm -hmm. Even with that five books sold, that would make them a number one New York Times bestselling author. Wow. It's all based upon the number. Not You don't have to reach a particular number, but it's just all based on the number. And that's why I do pre-order campaigns and I teach my clients and the authors to do pre-order campaigns. Start making money from your book before you even write chapter one. First of all, know who your audience is. Get your audience and start getting them to pay. Get them to pay for the books now so that you can pay for the publication of the book, so that you can pay for your editor, so that you can pay for your designer, so that you can pay for the printer. And what's great about that, you're selling these books way in advance. So start selling those books six to nine months out. But the day your book releases, all of those pre-order sales are counted that day. Oh, wow. So that helps you reach best-selling status. Wow. So many authors miss that piece. It's just one little step, but you don't know what you don't know. And that's why we have to be willing to learn and to be taught and to listen. I like to say that my course curriculum and what I'm going to be teaching at the conference this year, I love my curriculum. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's the bomb. I keep calling it the blueprint like I'm Jay-Z or something. <laughs> I feel like it's all that. It's everything. But like I tell my author, but it's nothing if you don't implement and execute, yeah. it's nothing. I can hand this to you, but if you do nothing with it, it's nothing. It ain't going to work if you don't work it. So once you're equipped with the knowledge, the wisdom, the expertise, the tools, the resources, your options, you have to work it. You must work it. Like I said, I can go on and on and on about this great curriculum I put together, but it's the results that matter, and the results are based on you. And that's why I like the path to publishing to community, because we're in there to help each other. We're in there to encourage each other and motivate each other. 
But, you know, I have this little saying, I will motivate you, I will encourage you, I will inspire you, I will push you, but I will not drag you. Because if I have to drag you, it means you're not ready. And my success is based on your success. So you must win or I lose. Yeah. And and speaking of, you know, you said encouraging and trying to push people forward in their different, wherever they are in their journey. But like when you're working with a new client or just a new author, just looking at their work and just trying to see where they are, like what are there any key characteristics in particular that you're looking for to try to figure out how to help them improve their writing style? I'm an editor by trade. I'm a developmental editor and I am a copy editor as well. So I'm not looking for anything per se in one particular author as far as their writing style or their voice or genres or anything of that nature. I am just looking to make sure that my skills complement complement what they have because I strongly believe, again, you don't have to be this great writer. You don't have to be a writer in yeah. order to become a published author because of the resources out here, because of the tools, the, the information that is readily available. I have a certain set of tips that I provide to my authors based upon their manuscript, based upon where they are. Because as editors, we have flat rates. You know, somebody says, well, how much do you charge? You know, we'll say, well, X, Y, Z a page, but if it requires heavier editing, then the price can go up. So what we're looking for is that manuscript that, again, it's not perfect, it's not great, but one that just has something and not even a challenge. I'm not one of those editors who I'm just looking for a challenge. Challenges sometimes take too long. Well, if you're working on this one manuscript, you could be helping other people get their stories out. You could be helping 10 other people just because you want to fight with this challenge. No matter if the light bill is due or the car bill is due, you have to learn how to say no. Yeah. When you know there's a level of frustration that's going to be involved where you've already discerned this person's fear, where every time you give them suggestions, they'll say, I hear you, but, yeah, well, but, well, my cousin told me, well, my sister told me, and it's like, <laughs> okay, you paying the professional, but Ray Ray gets to tell you how to do it. That's not fair, you know? So it's exactly. not really the writing style, a certain style I'm looking at, because I work with a team. I may be the face of, of Path to Publishing, but I work with an amazing team. And one of the people on my team, I call her the book doctor. Because she can take a book in its rawest form. Because some authors will turn in their first draft and say, hey, I'm ready with the first draft. I wrote it. They didn't even go back and look at it. But she is a book doctor. She can slice it, cut it, do this, do that. I mean, she just studied it to the point where... I'll be saying the no friends are crying moments, please. Just talk regular. Talk regular. Even talk like Archie Bunker before you talk like Fraser Crane. I need to understand this. So <laughs> you know, exactly. But there are people out there who are phenomenal who can take the rawest. I don't even want to say the worst book because I would never want to say someone's thought, idea, or concept is bad, yeah. but they can take the rawest and raw and, and the rawest form and turn it into a jewel and turn it into a masterpiece. But I'm always looking for, necessarily, it's not always even what's in the writing style, but it's the author. It's the author's passion. It's the author's desire that burning it. They have to get this out because I believe what's in us is somebody else's portion. And as long as we hold on to that portion, that means somebody out there starving. Yeah. I don't want to be 
anybody coming to me and me <laughs> turning them away because I didn't think the manuscript looked like it should be or what? You've written four books and this is what you're turning in? I never want to be that type of person. If you have a passion, and I'm very passionate about that, so you try the spirit by the spirit, and if we, you know, if I'm vibing with you like that, we're going to get this thing together. I don't care if it's just 300 pages of the alphabet. We're going to turn these letters <laughs> into a <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I love that. I love it, love it, love it. And I know that with this next question, you've kind of already spoke about it and, and kind of touched on it, but I, I'm going to go ahead and ask you just for the listeners, just so that they have a direct answer from you do you think that it's easier now for authors to secure like um you know sometimes you have the the authors that come to you and say hey you know i want uh, a literary agent or representation and this and that and blah 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 do you think it's easier now than it was five years ago and also to add to that if it is their desire to to get like a you know a big major agency representation what do you think or what are some of the main things that literary agents are looking for First of all, I think authors, a lot of them think you must have an agent now. Back in the day, you did. You had to have an agent. I can vouch for that. I submitted my first full-length novel to a publishing house, to an editor, and it was unagented, and I got my very first rejection letter. My very first rejection letter. <laughs> okay. But then I got an agent. The agent sent the same manuscript to the same publishing house, to the same editor, and I ended up getting a three-book deal. Oh, wow. The same publisher who sent me my first rejection letter ever gave me my first book deal <laughs> ever because of agent representation. But that's no longer the case because the self-publishing industry is just getting so flooded and you got people like the, the whole Fifty Shades. That was self-published, but now look at it. So they, they don't want to miss anything now. Yeah. And it's almost as if the self-published authors are their competitors now. Mm-hmm. You have some major publishing houses that said, okay, let's do a self-publishing line. At least let's help them. Let's get 10 cents out of it. <laughs> exactly. Help them. And now some of them have the ebook only imprints. So you don't have to have that agent representation like you did. So let me just say it's easier now to get a book deal without an agent than it was in the past. Mm. In the past, it was almost next to impossible. But now the major imprints. The Penguin, the Random House, the major publishing house, they now have imprints where you do not have to have agent representation. And I keep a library of those because some of my clients come to me because, again, I work with all types of authors. I work with authors. Their goal is to be published by a major publishing house. So I help package them. I help package them. I help package their book. I help prepare them. I make sure they're in position to receive once they start sending out their query letters and all of that you have to be in position so i make sure it's kind of like grooming but i call it you know packaging presenting and proposing oh wow and so i share okay we got together you know it's almost like you you know it's prom you look good now get on out there here's where you go and so i share the list with them based upon their genre Romance is huge. Romance is the number one selling genre in the world. So romance authors, even though some of them think it may be rough or it's harder, sometimes they get a bad rap. Everybody yeah. <laughs> loves romance. Everybody loves the happy ever after. Yeah. So I, um, right now, a lot of romance, um, sci-fi, speculative fiction, and I still work with a couple of major public houses, and they want that straight lit. They want that wow. pretty street lit, but they want it to be clean because the publishing houses, 
they hold their manuscripts to a higher standard than the self-published author. But that's why I love working with indie authors. Because I've worked with the publishing houses, I know what they do. I know what it takes. And I want their book to be able to compete, not just on the bookshelf, but off the bookshelf as well. Yeah. So as far as getting the agent representation, it's easier now. It's easier now to get agent representation. Well, I I won't say agent representation as far as getting a book deal without an agent. Getting agent representation, to me, it's still about the same. Maybe a little tougher. It may be a little tougher because the industry is so saturated that we really have to be careful as agents. Because I'm a literary agent as well. I have clients who have book deals with Simon & Schuster, Kensington, and Urban Books, to name a few. And these acquisitions editors that we work with, they have, you know, they have their own little set, you know, not company standards. They have their own little standards that they give us. And, you know, well, I, I wanted to be in third person, omnipresent, or I mean, all types of stuff. <laughs> you have to make sure these authors are mastering it. So it would almost be easier for them to almost bypass us and just go to the imprint. <laughs> exactly. You know, when you don't need an agent, because an agent. Again, when if you don't win, we don't win. And our reputation gets on the line if we keep sending manuscripts that, you know, keep getting rejected. And so I think now, as far as seeking agent representation, it's a little bit more difficult now than it was five years ago. But again, the irony of it all, it's easier to get a book deal without an agent than mm-hmm. it was five years ago. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that is like a i tell you what, the self-publishing is really, really, really transforming a lot of things. And I, I wanted to get your take. Like, would you, when you're working with your clients, I guess it depends on the situation. I know, depending on what the goal of the client, your author, the author is, but what would you recommend, like, as far as traditional publishing versus self-publishing or even print on demand? It depends on the author's project and their literary goals for that project. I am traditionally published. I have self-published projects, and I have POD, print on a band. I'm what they call a hybrid author. A hybrid mm-hmm. author is when you go multiple publishing routes. It's not to be confused with the hybrid publisher, which is partnership publishing. But the hybrid author chooses multiple paths to publication. And I choose them based upon a particular literary project. I have a young adult book that is out. Mm. But it wasn't feasible at the time for me to do offset print. I love doing offset printing when I self-publish with me. You know, I self-publish. I get a thousand, two thousand copies printed by the publisher, the printer down the street, or what have you. But it didn't make sense at that time. It made more sense to do POD. So for that particular project and one other project, which is erotica book that I wrote back when I wrote secular books, I got my rights back. It didn't make sense for me to print again a thousand or two thousand and go around talking about I'm blessed selling author Ian Joy, writer of Christian fiction, soap operas and print, and then whip out a book called Wait. Yeah. So you know, I'm like, that don't make no sense. I'm not gonna do that today. That's yeah. what they do that at. Now here, right. you know, exactly. I did POD with that. So if people want it, they can go get it. I have it through Ingram. Um, bookstores can even order it, library. So POD makes sense for that. As far as, again, my self-publishing projects, I love the profit margin on a self-published project. Oh, wow. And yeah. the fact that I'm also traditionally published, which most people love with the traditional publisher, is that distribution. They're going to get you into the Walmart. They're going to get you into your grocery store, the Books a Million, the Barnes and Over. They want to get you out there. But it's your job as an author to keep it out there. 
And I learned that I have that distribution piece. So if I'm publishing some stuff on the side, readers don't care who published it. They don't know whether my yeah. traditional published publisher or my publishing house. They just know, oh, she's got another book out. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And they'll even create a demand where those big box stores are ordering the book. So again, it depends on you, your project. I have clients who do POD because... Again, they're my clients who say, okay, I got this book. I need to make money. What do I need to do? So I got them traveling all over the map. They're doing paid speaking engagements here and there and everywhere. So they don't have time to be shipping books out of their garage. So POD makes sense for them. But what they will do is get some offset, some print books printed through the offset printer for when they're doing like a huge conference, a Delta convention or something like that. And they want a larger profit margin. So you would have to determine what are your goals, what are your literary goals, and what makes sense right now. Even Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he started off self-publishing, but then it just got so big, he couldn't keep printing those, filling his garage, and so he went toward traditional publishing. Yeah. So it's, it's all about circumstances and what your goals are. If you know you want to be a traveling paid speaker, you don't really want to sell your books, you know, on Amazon and all of these places. Because I'll just be honest with you, people, well, some people, they never make the New York Times, but they're out selling New York Times bestselling authors in their conference room at the Marriott. There you go. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Creating another revenue stream. This has been absolutely wonderful, 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 Miss Joy Lynn. I tell you what, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a couple of uh, things just to kind of conclude. And then also, I want you to share a little bit more information about where we can get some details in regards to passion path to publishing the conference for those listeners who are in Vegas and they want to attend or those people who are just interested in, in I don't know, maybe they want to fly out, you know, to attend yes. the conference. Bring it on. How far are you willing to go to make your dreams come true? <laughs> hey, yes. To the moon and back, to the moon and back. Absolutely. So um, leave us with some advice for um, new and aspiring authors looking to get their word, their work to the masses. And then also, like I said, any other last thoughts that you want to add into that, the conference dates, as well as your website and where people can find out more information about Ms. Jorlyn M. Ross and what she has in store. Wonderful. And I've already said this, but I'll say it again as far as advice that I can offer for the new aspiring and the vet author. The vet author is about to put out the next book. You know, learn the business. Learn yeah. the business. You wouldn't, if you couldn't swim, you wouldn't get up on a diving board and jump into nine feet of water without first <laughs> You just wouldn't, you know, without first hiring a coach. Or, you know, us African-Americans, we just got thrown in the water and learned to swim with the <laughs> You know, figure it out somehow. You can't right. jump and you don't even know how to dog pedal. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to do that jumping into the book business, jumping into the literary industry without knowing how to navigate it. There's resources, there's literary industry professionals, there's literary consulting coaches. I have an online course that will get you through it all, get you through it all, save you time and money. You won't make mistakes, but you can't be afraid to invest in you. You can't be afraid to invest in your business. And again, get the audience before you even start writing the book. Know who your audience is and start making money from the product. Start making money from your book before you even write chapter one. Do a pre-order campaign. Don't just make the book available for pre-order. Do a campaign like you running for president. Yeah, make exactly. Make those coins, you know? 
You can make money as an author. And like I said, don't let people tell you that you cannot make a living as an author just because they could not figure out how to do it. And all of us have something inside of us. I just want to quote former President Bill Clinton. After he wrote his memoir, I remember reading a quote where he said, anybody over 50 owes it to his family to write down everything that's happened during his life and pass it on. So if it's only so that your children and their children and their children know who they are and where they came from, write it. If it's just your coffee table book, if it's just something you want to give out at the family reunion, do it, but do it right and do it with excellence. And that is what we are teaching at the Path to Publishing, Act Like an Author, Think Like a Business Conference. It's going to be held September 20th, 21st, and 22nd in the still fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I don't want nobody talking about that's too far. Like I said, how far are you willing to go to get what you want? How far are you willing to go to manifest this dream, this vision, to get this out of you and give someone else their portion? So if you're interested in joining me in Las Vegas, Nevada, you can visit www.path2publishing.com. And it's Keo, not the numeral. Path2publishing.com. You can learn more about myself and you can more learn more about the conference and register. Perfect, 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 Miss Dorlan. Thank you so much. And I'm also going to be posting for those people that are listening and, and interested. Once we publish the podcast, there'll also be some show notes and link to your website directly. But we'll definitely stay in touch and, and keep in tune to what you're doing. Appreciate you again for taking the time out to speak to me. And congratulations on your success. And I wish you the best of luck with the upcoming conference and everything else that you have in store. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.